Kelly Marshall, the founder of Chicago Movie Tours, and I recently had the opportunity to talk with Gregory Wyden, the screenwriter of the 1991 Ron Howard film Backdraft. Although Backdraft was not Wyden's first script made into a film, it is probably the one for which he is best known. And as it was shot here in Chicago, well, I'm sure you know what is coming next. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. If you don't already follow Chicago Movie Tours on social media, you are missing out, as Kelly has an encyclopedic knowledge of film and has a catalog of tours already available. I'm a film nerd, and I honestly learn new things every time I'm on a tour, so get on it. The full interview that Kelly and I did with Greg Wyden is up on YouTube. Just search for Chicago History Podcast. You'll hear audio-only portions of the interview in this podcast, but if you're a fan of the film, you'll likely enjoy Wyden's stories and answers to all the questions we asked him that won't fit here. It was 1990. Big-budget action films of the late 80s were still all the rage, from fighter pilots in Top Gun to cops defending... Buildings, Their Estranged Wife, Something About Bearer Bonds in Die Hard. Uh, Schwarzenegger was fighting everyone from terrorists to predators to Martians. And Ron Howard, who had directed films like Cocoon, Willow, Night Shift, Gung Ho, and 1989's Parenthood, was getting ready to direct Backdraft, a film about firefighters, more specifically, firefighting brothers in Chicago. Now, in case you think this episode will be all about the movie Backdraft, well, a lot of it will be, but I'm also going to talk a little about Chicago at the time of the filming of Backdraft, like a 30-year-old time capsule episode. Backdraft screenwriter Gregory Wyden grew up in Laguna Beach in Southern California. He spent time as a firefighter in California while pursuing a degree at UCLA in filmmaking, one of his student scripts about immortals who fight with swords called Highlander There can be only one was optioned and made into a film in 1986 starring French actor Christophe Lambert and Sean Connery. Not a bad way to start a career in film. Yeah, I got a name. Yeah. That's Gregory Wyden. We'll hear more from him and from Kelly throughout this episode. What made Wyden decide to write a screenplay about firefighters? You know, I wanted to do a firefighter story. I'd been a firefighter, and I just thought there was more to tell than I'd ever seen. You never really see it. There really hadn't been a firefighter motion picture at that point. There was shows like Emergency and things, but I really wanted to tell that story. Ron Howard had been considering directing Cape Fear, a film eventually made by Martin Scorsese, but was intrigued by Gregory Wyden's script about firefighters. Casting agents began their search for talent, hopeful they could land the big stars of the day. Names mentioned for the role of Stephen Bull McCaffrey, Dennis Quaid, and Michael Keaton, who had worked with Ron Howard on Night Shift and Gung Ho. That role was filled by Kurt Russell, who also played his character's own father in the opening scene. According to a 1991 Entertainment Weekly article about Russell, it was Tom Cruise who suggested Russell take the role. Cruise had been considering taking the role of younger brother Brian McCaffrey, 
but eventually passed. While Robert Downey Jr., Keanu Reeves, and Brad Pitt all reportedly auditioned for the role of Brian McCaffrey, that spot was eventually filled by William Baldwin. Baldwin, 27 years old during the filming, had graduated from the State University of New York at Binghamton in 1985 as a political science major. He had actually been accepted to law school before following in the footsteps of his brother Alec Baldwin as an actor. While William Baldwin had been in Oliver Stone's Born on the Fourth of July and Internal Affairs, his most prominent role before Backdraft was Flatliners, also filmed in Chicago. It was reported that Paul Newman turned down the lead in the film. I assume they meant the fire inspector role. Newman allegedly said it was a, quote, good yarn, but that he was, quote, too old and too rich, end quote, to take the part. Sean Connery's name had also been mentioned. The fire inspector role, based on a real-life member of the Chicago Fire Department, eventually went to Robert De Niro with a few adjustments. In, in some way, Robert De Niro's character is based on it. I, I had to change it in the script when De Niro was cast because, of course, the real Rip Gale is like 6'4", De Niro's not, you know? <laughs> As I was doing research for this episode, I read that the real-life Donald Rimgale caught the acting bug in a big way after his first acting performance in Backdraft. You can see his name in the credits. He became a member of the Screen Actors Guild, got an agent, and had roles in The Fugitive, Chain Reaction, and... Baby's Day Out, all shot here in Chicago, and Gladiator. He retired from the Chicago Fire Department in 1996 after 31 years and passed away in 2017 at age 77. I asked Gregory Wyden whether he wrote any of the characters with a specific actor in mind. He only mentioned one. I think in my head, oddly enough, because he looked like the real Rimgale, I wrote, <laughs> it's going to sound strange, but I wrote the uh, Rimgale character as uh, Brian Dennehy because I, I just saw him as a big guy, you know? Um, and of course, who's going to say no to De Niro wanting to do it? But um, but that was, uh, uh, but that's what I had in mind because it just, the real guy is just this, you know, giant piece of hammered beef. It looks like a refrigerator, you know, and kind of a craggy face and, and I just, uh, you know, and so I was just vamp vamping off that. And so I just, so that was probably the only character I had a visual for, which was, uh, was uh, Brian Dennehy. Yeah, so. Also filling out the cast, Jennifer Jason Lee, Scott Glenn, Chicago-born Jason Gedrick, Rebecca DeMornay, memorable in the early 80s Chicago film Risky Business, and as serial arsonist Ronald Bartell, Donald Sutherland. The funny thing about firemen, night and day, they're always firemen. Filming locations for Backdraft did include actual firehouses. The one in an early scene where Baldwin tries to catch up to the truck when his car won't start is on 42nd and Sacramento near Archer Avenue. By the way, his apartment is in Wicker Park, which would make that a seven-mile run to the firehouse. Another is the one at 22nd and Wentworth, usually referred to as the Chinatown Firehouse. Emmett's Irish Pub on Milwaukee, where Grant and Halstead meet, also used in Ocean's Eleven, Uncle Buck, U.S. Marshals, and a handful of other Chicago films, was the scene of the post-graduation party, the giant theater where one of the backdrafts happens, the long-dormant 
Uptown Theater, which had been closed for nine years before Backdraft filmed there. In mid-August 1990, the Chicago Tribune reported that Ron Howard was so pleased with the way the filming of Backdraft was going, he threw a party for the 200 members of the cast and crew at Bub City on Clark Street. And because Chicago, in late August 1990, it was reported that the Backdraft production filmed for three days on the South Side at Wozniak's, a banquet hall at 23rd and Blue Island, that at the time had so many building code and fire violations, it had an order to vacate. To film there, the production team had to not only get special permission to shoot there, they also had to cover the cost of a pumper, five real firefighters, and two safety officers. This next part gave me a weird, whatever happened to that sensation? In September of 1990, Kurt Russell was spotted at North Pier's Battletech Center discussing strategy with a group of teenage guys. You don't remember Battletech? How about Mech Warrior? It was an amped-up arcade where kids would spend $7 for 10 minutes to strap themselves into a mech pod and do battle against others while watching their progress on a 25-inch screen. The Battletech Center, based at 435 East Illinois Street in what was called the North Pier Mall, was the first of 26 that existed and cost $2.5 million to develop and build. It appears to have closed by the late 90s. The North Pier Mall, which once housed the Chicago Children's Museum and Dick's Last Resort, is now home of the River East Art Center. Where was I? Oh yeah, Backdraft. The special effects in Backdraft are something fans really seem to appreciate. An Entertainment Weekly article from June of 1991 said the effects crew arrived in town three months before shooting to test a variety of flammable substances in order to create a, quote, dirtier and more realistic fire, end quote, than was usually seen in films. In what sounds like an OSHA inspector's nightmare, steel tanks were built that sprayed flammable liquids through a nozzle before they were ignited, kind of like a flamethrower. The largest of these tanks with a 100-gallon capacity was referred to as Big Bertha. It had the ability to discharge a 60-foot by 20-foot wall of fire. What makes Backdraft unusual as a movie, and one thing, one of the reasons that it survived as a is kind of a favorite movie you still see on TV all the time, is that there's almost no CGI in it. There's one CGI shot in the entire film, which is when Billy turns around and sees the monster kind of loom up like a, the fire like a monster in one shot. The whole rest of is practical. And so what that meant was it was incredibly uncomfortable for the actors. We had a machine we called the Ashomatic, which was actually my idea because of my, my, my pet peeve with fire department, still today, fire department movies, there's never any uh, flotsam in the air. You know, it's just clean flame. And I was just trying to, I was always advocating, making it dirtier, make it dirtier, make it dirtier. And so we had a machine that would blow embers into the swirling in the air. And of course they're wearing these gel to protect their face from getting burned. And, you know, the embers would hit the gel. And, <laughs> and it's also, it's also Chicago summer and you're wearing a turnout coat. And, um, and you know, it could have gone either way with some of the actors starting to whine, not being great. But Kurt was like, no, no, doing it, doing it. And he kind of, he, no one was a, ended up complaining because they knew they'd look bad because Kurt was doing it, you know? So that really, that helped out a lot. 
Of course, Kelly from Chicago Movie Tours asked the question, I think, almost every time I see a firefighter movie. Why didn't any of the actors wear the self-contained breathing apparatus on their oh, uh, face? Yes. Yeah, you get a lot. I know a lot of the two biggest complaints I hear from firemen are, um, uh, well, in a real fire, you wouldn't see anything. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, that's a problem, right? <laughs> so, you know, and because uh, it's, yeah, it's true. You walk, most of the time when you, when you crawl into a fire, it's just black, you know? And the other thing was, well, they're not wearing their breathing apparatus. And I kind of defense of that is that in Chicago at that time, there were a lot of guys that didn't, you know, they were still kind of a tough ass department then. Um, and all, but also part of it was uh, see their faces. It's the same reason a Top Gun, you know, in real life, a fighter pilot, from the second he closes his canopy till he opens again, he's got his oxygen mask on. You watch Top Gun, they're always flipping it off and, you know, and, and because you want to see their face talking. So yeah, you're, you're paying for that. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they kind of let that. It's not a, it's not a, um, my, my thing about backdraft is it's not documentary on firefighting techniques, <laughs> but it is, of course. it yeah. is, um, but it is, I think, the closest a movie's gotten to making you feel like what it's in there, what it's like in there. You know, because of the lack of CGI, we've just burned things over and over again. And so there's an organic nature to the fires and backdraft that are, you just don't see in other productions. I watch things today, like, you know, television shows like Rescue Me and stuff, and they're still doing the same thing where they obviously have a flame bar behind, hidden behind something, and they turn it up like somebody would be in your gas fireplace, and it's a yellow flame coming right. up the fire but you know we would build sets and and then we we do them in these real places very little of the film was done on a set and the set we was in cicero so right across the line in cicero an old essentially an old warehouse uh, that roof had caved in on but we um but most of it was shot in real locations and we'd shoot in things like these um enormous uh old printing buildings that were just you know five feet of concrete they were just amazing and um, and we build a set and then, you know, the, the tech guys would go in there and they'd spray rubber cement all over it. And then we'd go action and they'd throw a match and the thing would just burn. And then the fire department would put it out when we were done. And first time we did it, it got out of control. And I actually, I have home video of this shot of everyone panicking and fleeing out of the room, you know, cause it's burning out of control. And we had a set catch fire. The final thing that takes place in the chemical factory that was actually done on the the stage quote stage we built in a, um, in a, uh, a warehouse um, over the line in Cicero. And then um, that set caught fire, you know, like we were shooting that. I mean, that, I look at that scene still and I'm amazed where you have Kurt Russell um, um, and um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the other guy, the guy that's the bad guy. Um, thank you. Uh, hanging um, from, you know, Kurt Russell's holding on to a thing. Uh, there's a wire going through them so they can't literally fall, but, but, you know, we painted them with rubber cement and lit them on fire. You know, they're, they're burning, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and then, they, you know, they have to be put out with a hose on the end. And they got hot in those things. And there's just, there's things exploding around them. And it's just, I think that one of the reasons I think the film still kind of works on that level is that we just burned real things over and over again, you know. And you, you can always kind of, I think an audience feels with CGI fires that are not quite real. Yes. Pop quiz, what was the most Chicago thing a local or a celebrity in town could be doing on September 30th, 1990? I'll give you a moment to ponder. Give up? The answer is watching the Chicago White Sox play the last ever game at Old Comiskey Park. 
It was demolished in 1991. In attendance that night, Backdraft director Ron Howard, actor Kurt Russell, Russell's partner Goldie Hawn, and 42,846 Utter White Sox fans watching the Sox defeat the Seattle Mariners 2-1. Fun fact, at the time Comiskey was demolished, Chicago's two baseball stadiums were a combined 157 years old. Of course, there are times Wrigley Field feels that old all by itself. I had to commend Wyden, a guy who grew up in Southern California, for his choice of names for the backdraft characters. It's really as though you went through a Chicago phone book at the time. So J.T. <laughs> Walsh as Alderman Swayzak, which is a great Chicago name. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Irish firefighting family, the McCaffrey brothers. Great yeah. Chicago. Uh, Jason Gedrick as Tim Krzminski, like, you know. Well, you really have to kind of drill down to get a name like Chris Minsky, which isn't even easy to say, and I grew up here. The soundtrack for Backdraft included Los Lobos, the Smithereens, and 80s and 90s mainstay Bruce Hornsby. It also included Chicago-based The Drovers, who played in the retirement party scene. The Drovers, quite popular throughout the 90s and early 2000s here in Chicago, contributed not only to this soundtrack, but also to the soundtrack of the 1994 Michael Apted film Blink, also shot here in Chicago, starring Madeline Stowe and Chicago's own Aidan Quinn. Stowe's character Emma plays fiddle with the band. Gregory Wyden said the original cut of the film was over four hours long, and once it started to get cut down to a more reasonable length, the tone of the story needed to be decided. He had envisioned it as a Silence of the Lambs arson story, but director Ron Howard felt that emotionally, it was a brother story. Backdraft took in $15.7 million its first weekend, a record for a non-sequel opening over the Memorial Day holiday up until that point going on to gross nearly $78 million. That's more than $148 million in today's money in the U.S., with worldwide grosses nearly double that. Critics were split, but Roger Ebert gave it three stars, writing, quote, Never before in the movies have I seen fire portrayed by such convincing, encompassing special effects, end quote. Here in Chicago, it debuted on theater screens all over the city and the suburbs, including five theaters showing it in 70mm, the best way to see it at the time, including Yorktown, the Edens in Northbrook, Golf Mill in Niles, Woodfield in Schaumburg, and McClurg Court. Only one of those theaters, Yorktown, still stands. The film was nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Sound, Best Visual Effects, and Sound Effects Editing. took nearly 30 years, but a sequel to 1991's Backdraft was made. Gregory Wyden was brought back to write the script, this one focusing on Sean McCaffrey, the son of Kurt Russell's character from the original Backdraft. A few familiar faces return. William Baldwin and Donald Sutherland both appear. Sutherland, still amazing. Kelly asked Gregory Wyden a question I often wonder about with anyone creative. When was the last time that you actually watched the movie in full? Uh, it's been a long time. You know, it's funny. I caught it on. There was a, a, a television series with Julia Roberts, who played a psychologist in some sort of reentry. I forgot the name of the show, but she's watching Backdraft. 
Yeah, she's watching Backdraft in her apartment. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but um, I haven't watched the whole movie probably in forever. You know, um, the problem with doing a movie, I watch very few movies of mine really ever. I, if it pops on TV, I'll watch 10 minutes of it, you know, something I've done. But I think the problem is, is that if you actually make a movie, all you see is the things you wish you could change. You know, it's hard to see the movie as a separate thing. You also see it as the experience you had making it. You also see it, all the things that got cut out that you wish were in there, but because they were cut out, of course they must've been perfect because you never had to live with them in it. So you have these fantasy, amazing scenes that, you know, all the critics would have loved it if we just kept that in, you know, and, you know, and so it's just, it, it's kind of a torturous experience because all you keep thinking was like, ah, you know, there was a better version of that, or there was this or that, or whatever opinions you have, you know? And so it's hard to look at it as a, as in any way, like a actual viewer of the movie would look at it. Of course, in the last 30 years, many of the areas in which Backdraft filmed have changed. The buildings to the east of the firehouse in Chinatown are gone, part of a street-widening effort a few years back. Other buildings destroyed during filming were set to be demolished anyway. I asked Gregory Wyden about this. You know, it's a very different place because, you know, it's funny. A lot of the places that we shot, um, God, I've been back to Chicago since. It was weird seeing the west loop now because that's where we shot a lot of backdraft those old giant printing buildings that um they were tearing down west of the river and um and going back there now and it's this hip neighborhood and, you know because it was just a, a a wasteland you know when we were shooting that backdraft currently sits in the mid-70s with critics and the audience on rotten tomatoes it had a universal studios hollywood attraction for nearly 20 years and has had one in Japan for over 20 years. I saw it at the Woodfield Theater in 70mm back in the day, and actually owned it on 4K and even Laserdisc. Love it, hate it, haven't seen it, whatever you think about Backdraft, it is most certainly, even after 30 years since its release, a Chicago movie. listening to today's episode about the 30th anniversary of backdraft special thanks to kelly from chicago movie tours and screenwriter gregory wyden do you have questions about anything covered today anything to add or have an idea for a future episode i want to hear about it send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com if you are a fan of Backdraft, check out the YouTube interview that Kelly from Chicago Movie Tours and I did with Gregory Wyden. Wyden has some great stories. I will have plenty of news clippings and photos I'll post on social media throughout the week. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please give us a follow. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review or tell a friend about it. It will help us grow and reach new fans. Your written review may even be featured on a future episode or on social media. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thanks, Johnny. He can be found at AngelEyesArtJKS on Instagram or via email at AngelEyesArtJKS at gmail.com. I will be back next week with another chapter in Chicago's history. Until then... Get out and explore when possible. 
Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.